Yet another Tottenham Hotspur manager leaves a job without a trophy. Antonio Conte almost seemed to be troubled from the moment he arrived at the club. And after all the big names in the job, the question now is, what type of manager is needed to turn Spurs into title challengers? Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where Evan Ferguson has been linked to replace Harry Kane at Tottenham. Antonio Conte leaves the London club and the Hall of Fame are about to induct a few more players. But who would you put in? My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Bugle and Neil Dobbs. And Dave, Antonio Conte, he's parted with Spurs this week, but he never really seemed to settle there. Yeah, from the get-go, like there was obviously early signs that everything was going well. But to be honest, everyone goes on about Mourinho and his three years. Like it's it's this fella seems to have a year and a half, maybe. Um, but like he's a hard taskmaster, taskmaster, and obviously he expects a lot. And I think that's a very short shelf life nowadays with the the kind of modern game. I'd say it's a it's very hard to kind of be that type of manager who can be at a club for five or six years and everyone can tow along with it but um from the get-go he always had a bit of a bad vibe or there was always something missing or something there um he's been a bit gripey himself obviously when he was away they almost seemed to play better and then he came back and just came back hard and really moany really bitchy and obviously made a big statement before the international break and everyone reported that that's it this is the beginning of the end but they were already speculating that he was going to go in the summer anyway and um, it wasn't to any surprise but you know will will whatever about spores but will clubs be a bit is he worth giving the three and four year contract considering probably going to sack him within the next year, year and a half because the players are going to be bored? Like he's probably doing himself damage himself, uh, himself as well as obviously more damage and what, what the hell are Spurs going to do next? The only thing is, is that he's won things with other clubs, Dave. Yeah. He just hasn't won things with Spurs. And before he even took the contract, he turned down Spurs. So it was like a job that he didn't really want. Yeah, I think I said it, or maybe it was even one of you guys as well. There was a, there was always a bit of a a bit similar to Ancelotti at Everton vibe that it's a gig, and if I feel the opportunity is coming up for somewhere that he really wants to go to, he'll go. Maybe there's something coming up in Italy. Who knows? Real Madrid apparently is being touted as a possibility this year, where there's a lot of names who are currently in jobs or currently looking to get into jobs are thinking of holding out till the summer because of the potential of Real Madrid. So. Does he smell something? Has he been offered something? Uh, who's to say? Um, but yeah, maybe that's what. Maybe maybe there's an opportunity that he wants to do more so than than Spurs. That's for sure. Yeah, Neil. There's obviously going to be loads of managers linked to this job. You can name anyone, but who is going to be someone who's going to change things around? Because you can put any sort of a manager in there. When you have Mourinho, you've had the likes of Conte in there, and they failed. Who's the most likely to be able to turn them around? Yeah, it's a hard one to guess, Roy. I mean, looking at the odds and you've got Nagelsmann and Pochettino, and the only reason why they're number one and number two odds on is because they're out of a job and they, you know, they're the kind of most likely of a bunch. But for Spurs now, they've kind of gone down this road where you've had Mourinho in, you've had Conte in, kind of born, you know, the what you would say is born winners, someone that's going to bring a different mentality, someone that's going to change your club, someone that's going to galvanise the club. It's kind of a feels a little like Manchester United when they went through the four or five managers and they eventually landed now in Ten Hag, who looks to be kind of the real deal, um, at least so far. So they need to find someone that 
maybe it's not the popular opinion. Um, I've seen Brendan Rodgers, for example, was mentioned there. But for me, it's it's a question of when that manager comes in, and it's something that came up last week uh, with Conte. What was his promises when he came into the job? What was the kind of guarantees? What was the money that he was going to spend? What are Spurs' goals? And we don't really know. No one ever comes out saying they have to. I, top four, I think, is definitely a priority. But winning the league doesn't seem to be a priority. Winning a trophy doesn't seem to be a priority. They kind of need to sort that stuff out beforehand and then kind of equip the, the correct manager with the correct budget, with the correct kind of a two to three year um, plan in hand. Um, now, I'd actually like to see someone like Brendan Rodgers get a club like Spurs insofar as I think he's gone stale now at Leicester. I always felt he had maybe another run in him. So for me, maybe someone like that knows the Premier League well. It'd be very interesting of what kind of a trick he can get out of them players, the same Conte players, of how he makes them play. Because they've been under Marine and under Conte now, and in my opinion, still very, very negative setup. Even when you've guys like Son and Kane in your side, Kulisevsky. So let's maybe see a manager that's going to bring a little bit more on the front foot and kind of give the home fans, I would imagine the home fans will demand a guy that's going to entertain them. That has to be number one. And then after that, see what your priorities are. Dave Neal's mentioned Brendan Rodgers. If I read anything into what I see in Leicester City fan forums, they would be happy for Brendan Rodgers to go to Spurs. Is he someone that you think could do a job? Is there anyone else around that? I mean, it can't be Graham Potter. So that's that one gone out the window. And you look at when Graham Potter's gone there, he still might turn things around. But exactly. you don't, you don't always hit the ground run. No, of course not. And uh, as Neil said, like you know the way you get vibes and feelings off clubs, and you never get that feeling off Spurs. You as soon as you get in here, uh, we want trophies and we want them yesterday. Like it was obvious as soon as Klopp came to Liverpool. Listen, we need a title. You need to get us there, City, United. We there's always a feeling. You know what they want, and with Spurs, it's like, what do you want? Do you just want to be the best in London, or, or like I don't know? I, like you're, he's dead right, but I think. You know, I, I wouldn't argue, I wouldn't say he'd be top choice and I'd say he'd be long down the list, but like a Roger style manager who seems to be fairly clever with what he does and what he buys. Obviously, he kind of had a half a chance at Liverpool. He did a fantastic job at Swansea. Even the early years with Leicester and what he did and some of the personnel they brought in, you know, because they're not going to probably compete for the very big boys, but he could be good at picking out the best of the rest. But there's a guy called Andy Brassel. I don't know if you know him very well. He's kind of like a European football expert. I only seen the top line. So I'm going to presume where he's coming from when he said this, but he was talking about the fine art manager go a bit like the United route because they're top of the table at the moment and they're splitting the big boys. And mm-hmm. is is that what he's good at? So bring somebody in who's good at splitting the big boys and creating an, a, a, a good side with that mix of players, maybe like a younger version of what I'm talking about or what Neil's trying to get to in, in relation to Brendan Rodgers, you know, that kind of thing where, yeah, we've a hard task here to go up against the establishment. And this guy seems to know what he's doing about it. And is that why, he, obviously, Andy Brassel is, is, is saying that. But I, I'm only guessing that's probably why he said it. Um, so maybe they're the type of the manager that you need to do and bring in. The guy who's hungry and who knows he's not going to be able to get the very biggest, the best, but he can create a team that can compete against these guys, you know? Why do you think they nail souls or got rid of Antonio Conte? Um, is it think, do you think that they don't want to let Harry Kane go and they need to bring someone else in to try and persuade him again to sign a new contract or is it just that they had enough of Conte? Um, 
I think he kind of pulled the pin on the grenade, didn't he? I mean, that interview, as entertaining as it was, where he kind of went, look, now to me, there was some very, very valid points in it insofar as if we want to be less sporty, if we want to be this club that wins something, you have to learn how to close out a game. Unfortunately, it's the type of thing he should be saying behind closed doors and not out to the media when he's venting his frustration. So he kind of, you know, he fell on his own sword and he made them make a decision. Um, although I will say there's a part of me that would have loved to see him there after this international break <laughs> to see how that would have worked out. Because Is there similarities, sorry, Neil, with Conte yep. and how he was acting and Mourinho at United? Do you think that there's some sort of, they feel that they're not being listened to? Yeah, but I mean, right, we've, we've seen that over the years. If you look at some of the real stubborn big name managers that don't really care what everybody, and that's what makes a good manager in many ways. Marino never cared. Look at Rafa Benitez. He used to go in and go to war with his board if he felt they weren't ba- if they weren't backing him. And um, Marino would be exactly like that. And Conte are like that. They don't really care. They don't need the work. They don't need the profile. What they want is to be given enough resources for them to make you know there's a lot of ego involved here they want to be the best that they could be they like Conte wants to be up competing in Champions League semi-finals and finals he wants to bring in a team with his own identity and kind of shown his own brand like all the best managers do that your Klops your Guardiola's they don't want to be you know punching for four place and then going well listen that was a great season so these guys don't care. They, they, it's all about them. And that's what makes them who they are. It's not about money. It's about them. And they're trying to influence the team. So I don't think Conte has any problem going to war with his board, be it Daniel Levy or otherwise. But as you said, the fact that he ended up there after a lot of, you know, to and fro and Tottenham brought in a manager that beforehand they weren't really sure on. They rushed in. They were on their fifth choice. And then all of a sudden Conte rise in next just something just didn't feel right about it. Dave's dead right. Sometimes when a manager rides into a club, you just feel, yeah, this is the guy to be in there. And with Conte, you never felt he was staying, he was happy. There was always a bit of push-pull. And obviously then, on top of that, as you say, the Harry Kane scenario just doesn't ever seem to go away. Like, he's kind of like Messi was to Barcelona. You never wanted to be the president that sold Messi for Barcelona. You don't want to be the chairman or you don't want to be known or remembered for the time where you sent away your highest goal scorer and your most captain, you know, the golden boy of Spurs, they need to find a solution for that. But I don't think it's directly related to the manager, but it's a symptom of why the system isn't working because we're still talking about Spurs with no trophies and Harry Kane, we're always saying desperately needs a trophy. So how do you remedy that? You got to change something. Okay, Dave, they, they are looking for a new manager they will get a new manager in. And let's just say the new manager is the right man for the job. What does the right man for the job have to do? Does he, is there a lot of movement, a bit like Ten Hag at, at Manchester United? Does he have to bring new players in? Uh, Neil has talked about, and we talked about at the start of the programme, like rumours that Evan Ferguson will be replacing yeah. Harry Kane because Harry Kane's going to move on. But that kind of, just that kind of wording of, replacing as if there's going to be a whole new movement if when a new manager comes in could you see that um maybe but i think it is like you said united there in ten Hag. i think potentially a bit of similarity in what they need to do yes there's some uh changes in personnel that and they need a freshen up but a freshen up in attitude and and and, and a mentality in the club like look at what he did with ronaldo look what i even done with rashford when he was late for training it seems 
you know, um, you look at what Arteta's doing with Arsenal, you, you know, is it a bit of an easy camp in, in sports? Does somebody need to come in and go, listen, we need a bit more discipline and we need to set a few standards here. If you want to be at the best, this is what you do. This is what I've done before. And more kind of, this is what uh, this is what the new sports are going to do because, you know, I slag them off and stuff, but like, you know, there's certain players, as long as they're still there, they'll never do it. And one of them is the likes of Dyer. Like, nothing's ever changed with that guy. And he's just, his level is his level. And he's still there. So it's kind of like, yeah, straight away you pick on people like him and stuff like that. But I think it's more a mixture, a bit of one or two changes. But also, listen, there's a new sheriff in town. Here's our rules. You don't live with them. You're gone. And uh, I'm going to do it by hook or by crook, and I'm going to get us there. And that's the feeling you get from the likes of Ten Hag, because that's what you have to do. A bit like when Fergie bait back in the day, I'm going to knock them off their effing porch. That's what Ten Hag's attitude is. And I think that's what anyone who comes in for sports, they need to have that. And especially now that it's Arsenal that are up there and potentially going to be Premier League winners at, at the end of this season. Whoever's coming in is going to have to stare at them and go straight for them and have that kind of eye of the tiger that um, that no manager seems to have, as much as Mourinho and, and Conte. But the levies need to get in on it as well and, and back them. Yeah, you know, man. But as long as levies there, you don't feel that that's going to happen. Yeah, they won't have to worry about it. Arsenal will be back in eighth next year and Spurs can settle for that sixth and, and achieve again. Um, Neil, so listen, Evan Ferguson, a lot's been made of him. He's sort of, he's made that position his own with Brighton. He's now stepped into the Republic of Ireland shoes as the great hope, I suppose you could say. But how good is he? Oh, I look, put it like this. There's there's very good signs. The fact that he's starting up front for Brighton, he's keeping guys out of the team, he's established, he seems to be their go-to player. Um, he's very, very young, he's well built, he seems well disciplined, he has all things going from even when you hear him speak, really, really well spoken. So everything at the moment is a massive positive, but you know, we've all seen over the years when you big a kid up, especially a very, very young kid, um, and then they don't really, they flatter to deceive. Now, is he that good? Only time will tell. At the moment, he seems to be absolutely flying. And what he's doing for Brighton in particular, I wouldn't really say what he's doing for Ireland because it's too way, way too early yet. Um, but what he's doing for Brighton has been very, very impressive this season. Uh, Brighton are playing some brilliant football. Everything goes through him up top. Um, he seems to be the number one guy. So now he's been linked. And I mean, he's been linked with a lot of clubs. So even for to say like he's going to replace someone like Harry Kane, that is a massive, massive jest from anyone to suggest something like that. Now, I would just err on the side of caution and allow the child, the child is going to say, the kid to grow, the kid to mature, the kid to score, to be relaxed. Because the last thing you would want for him now would be, imagine a summer move and someone came in and went, you know, I don't know, some crazy money, 60, 70 million and they they pull the trigger on him and it becomes like a sancho or someone that the weight of expectation of that money becomes too big for the player um, and obviously because he's irish we really really want him to succeed so i'm thinking the likes of brighton where they trust him they've built a team that that supplies him and he, he identifies with their football and is obviously a stalwart in their team every week that's the place for him for now um, and i wouldn't even think about moving anywhere else for you know a considerable piece of time before you establish yourself a little bit better. Yeah, that all sounds logical, Dave. But mm. Robbie Keane went to Coventry, wasn't it? Yeah, big move, big, big move. Yeah, Wolves, big move to Coventry, big move away after that, and it didn't phase him at all. Mm. Is it that 
if you're if you're that type of player that you're going to be able to take that kind of pressure on board. Yeah, like listen, um, I don't think it's us three, that's for sure. But uh, we talked about before about uh, a certain club of fans are this and a certain I said it's not. There's a type of fan and we're as bad as the English in the last two weeks when it comes to this for the majority of people. And it's like, relax, lads. And they trying to even Mbappe was like, I don't really know the guy, but I'm going to have to make up an answer. But they all jumped on it, you know. Listen, uh, he is a talent. If he has the confidence, he could go anywhere he wants. I think it's up to him. I think if he believes he's as good as he is, I'd almost say if I was in a circle, stay where you are. Because if you're that good, they're still going to be looking for you in a year or two time. He needs to play games, no matter where he is, whether it be Brighton, Ars, or uh, Spurs, United, or anywhere he's from. He needs to be playing games at this age. Um, so for me, as an Ireland fan, with me Ireland hat on, I don't care where he is as long as he's playing. If he goes to the big clubs and doesn't play, he'll be good. Um, because just as Neil was saying there, say he ended up going to like say United, but then they buy Harry Kane as well. We all know what's going to happen. He's cover, and his career could be completely different. So it's very important where he goes. Now, Robbie Keane did say, because I only listened to his Liverpool, the one on his Liverpool podcast, the reason why he went to Wolves because he knew he was going to get game time and he got exposure and that's what got the springboard. So right now he's at Brighton and he's getting his exposure. His 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 ultimate step is to be their main man, I think, is the next step. Be their main man and everything is around him. And if he can do that and then do it well, well, then the boys are still going to be there in the queue waiting to get him and then establish himself. And he is an out-and-out Premier League striker and then... That's it. He's probably going to be a starter no matter where he goes. Because if he's that good enough, he will be there at the big clubs. Look at Keane's career, ironically. Like he, he still ended up at Liverpool at 27, 28 or whatever. Like it's going to happen if he's that good. Um, and, and hopefully he is for both him and then obviously for us as, as Irish fans. So it's a funny one what to do. I think a bit like Neil, I wouldn't mind seeing him doing a full season next year, getting into the double figures, you know, being up maybe on the first page of league goal scores would be fantastic. And they're still going to be there kind of baying for him because he'll only be 19 at that stage. But if he goes now, I'd be just a small bit, depending on where he went, I'd be just a small bit fearful. Ah, we'll give him dribs and drabs and the, the career could stutter a little bit. But if he's good enough, he'll make it regardless. But I think I'd be happier if he was with Brighton at least for next year again. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I think so. As long as Brighton keep the high standards that yeah. they're keeping at the moment, if they drift away, he could easily drift away as well. So there is a few factors in it. But it's going to be very interesting to see how he develops. Um, of course, I mean, Ireland are desperate for a, a top quality striker. But I think he's shown already that if you give him service and the other night against France, he got little or no service. But if you give him service that he can cause damage and uh, he is well able to finish in the box, which is what we didn't get to him the other night. Okay, now Dave, I'm going to stick with you because uh, Manchester United, we know that they're getting sold. We know that there's bids going in left, right and centre. We also know that we heard today that there's still 700 million in debt, even though uh, a few billion have been, a few billion has been taken out of the club. Uh, they haven't really got anywhere from the original loan that was taken out. So, uh, for Manchester United fans, it's desperation to try and get rid of the Glazers. But there's a new human rights rule that you want to talk to us about and we'll kind of blend that in with the discussions on Manchester United ownership. Yeah, because there's obviously a few more questions still to be, uh, that will come out, or answers should come out over the next day or two because obviously 
Um, it just came out um, kind of near the end of the day, and it's kind of like the top line headline stuff. But the, they've tightened its ownership rules to block anyone found to have committed human rights abuses from running a club. So human rights abuses, as determined by the UK's global human rights source or human rights sanctions regulations, is a new disqualifying event in the English top flight's owners and directors test. So they've also amended it's effective immediately as of today. And it's also amended the list of criminal offences, which would result in disqualification, which those which involves violence, corruption, fraud, tax evasion and hate crimes, power to stop uh, those wishing to become a director of the club if they're under investigation. Um, Amnesty International have said it's a step in the right direction, but Conservative MP Tracy Crouch, who was the UK sports minister from 1718, said the changes are just smokes and mirrors because my immediate thing is, do you look at current ones as well? Because we all have talked about that. was my question. That was my question on my head, Dave. Are they going to start flinging people out left, right and centre? So as much as we're going to bring it up about United because there are potentially issues with the Qatari owners, maybe with Sheikh Jassim, but straight away I'd be like, well, what's the crack with maybe somebody a little bit further up northeast and anyone for that matter. So, uh, yes, people coming in, it's going to be more difficult, but are they going to start looking at current owners as well and what happens? So that's the bit that I don't know yet to watch this space. But, um, yeah, definitely could hamper one of their suitors for United, that's for sure. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, literally just going to say that. It kind of feels like you've made a decision and then you've let the horse bolt and go, right, we're going to bolt up the bloody gay from now on. So what do you do about your Chelsea owners, your City owners, your Newcastle owners who have just literally got in the door? It's kind of like you say, yeah, you come on in. But by the way, now, we're not going to let this happen anymore for any of these human rights issues. So, yeah, I don't know. Do we actually see the proof of the pudding? And maybe for the likes of Manchester United will be the acid test for this where say for example well maybe they'll only get one bid or they're looking for only one bid but maybe two or three bids come in and then you figure out that they had to reject one or two of them or steer clear one or two of them due to these new rules coming in that certain uh, issues had to be satisfied or certain learnings had to be satisfied in order to allow them to purchase a club but it does feel like something that should have been done before newcastle was bought in the same manner but i definitely feel that the newcastle purchase maybe triggered the likes of this because People were then saying, well, look, what, is, what does this mean? But it was too late. There was no legislator uh, in place to kind of make any uh, disagreements or to, to put any blockades up. And the next thing you know, they were bought. Yeah. It, 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 sorry, Roy, just the last quote, just to maybe hammer home that. It just says here, the chief executive, Richard Masters, told a committee of MPs on Tuesday he could not comment on whether his organisation was investigating who has control of Newcastle and whether it was re-examining its approval of their Saudi takeover. All right, so watch this space, I suppose. Yeah, the Qatari World Cup has opened up a can of worms, I guess, because yeah. if you look at the Qataris and then you look at the Saudis, they're all trying to get their little piece of the pie now by yeah. buying Ronaldo, and you know they're trying to grow their brand, and that's where all this is coming from because everyone turns a blind eye to it to a point, but maybe this will be the one thing that will make people take a little bit more heed and actually put a couple of roadblocks in place because before you know it, 10, 12 clubs in the Premier League are owned by state-owned companies and the next thing it becomes a little nonsensical then doesn't it yeah it's interesting because how you can have country-led ownership Mm. but there's going to be a lot of uh, people who own clubs who have nothing got to do with the country just but you know probably dodgy dealings one way or another I mean I think again as I've always said if you're a billionaire you've probably done someone wrong somewhere down the (laughs) track to get that money so so where does it stop? Uh, it's it's going to be interesting for me with the Manchester United thing. It's getting boring now. You just want yeah. to know 
who who it is and that's it. You're seeing stuff left, right and centre on Sky Sports News and it's the same rubbish going on uh, over and over again, uh, churning it out. So um, if I could switch off and just get an answer, that would be perfect. Uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, what comes about it. Now, Neil, Hall of Fame. So I believe... Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Which uh, makes sense, yeah. Which makes sense. But they're they're going to be looking for extra players. Do you want to run through who's been in and who could go in? Yeah, so I mean, it's a kind of a, it's a good list to begin with. The 16 players that are already acknowledged, David Beckham, Dennis Bergkamp, Eric Cantona, Thierry Henry, Roy Keane, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, Alan Shearer. So let's be honest, if I was to say to you before tonight, put down your list of your kind of all-time greats of the Premier League, I don't think many people can argue with them. Um, then you have Sergio Aguero, Drogba, Company, Wayne Rooney, Pierre Schmeichel, Paul Scholes, Vieira and Ian Rice. So that was last year. So they were all put in then as well. So again, you know, I don't think you can argue with a hell of a lot of them. But what I find now is it's gone a little bit diluted because I'm looking at the new list. Same lads are in at it. The, the new list, I was like... like Mm, I don't know. So you have Tony Adams, Saul Campbell, Michael Carrick, Peter Cech, uh, Andrew Cole, Ashley Cole, Jermaine Defoe, Les Ferdinand, Rio Ferdinand, Robbie Fowler, Gary Neville, Michael Owen, John Terry, Yaya Torre, and Amanda Vidic. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, I think that they, you can vote for a short list of three. Uh, that's what they're looking for now, three new inductees. But I was kind of looking at it and going, oh, man, it's kind of like you're left. Not, not saying that the dregs, don't get me wrong, like Rio Ferdinand and Vidic have a, what would have 10 titles or something between, you know, each. They're absolutely trophy laden with the amount of careers they have. But there's a few in there you're a bit, ah, is he a legend? Would you put him in? So, yeah, what are your three and, and who makes it work for you? What do you think? Well, I was just looking at the list of who are in. Is Stephen Gerrard the only one who hasn't won a league? Harsh. I think so. I think he is. Champions League in there. That's all you can say. <laughs> <laughs> Champions That's League in the Premier slip, League. Right? That's not the Premier League. How does he sneak in there? <laughs> Adio, we won't go into that. Uh, but yeah, listen, the, 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 the ones who are in obviously deserve to go in and they were the ones that were going to go in no matter what. It would have been scandalous now if... Well, there is you know, one obvious uh, absentee there. He who shall not be named. <laughs> Who's the Welsh that? wizard. <laughs> oh, oh, Ryan. Yeah, so okay. no, no one's now, talking about anymore. Now, an again, one. discuss because yeah. you're, you're either a legend or you're not a legend. So, should he not be in this list? Yeah, well, if it was, he should have been probably in, football, in on the first peck in order, which I think he'd, he'd be the first one in, uh, for, in my opinion, if it was blatantly all about football. But these things, like obviously with us, it is, but blatantly with these things, they're not. And hence why, oh, geez, we better not put him in there. You know, he's in court. Does that, and, does that mean Mason Greenwood's not going to get in? <laughs> that's for sure well he's not because he's not playing anyway but back you know, to Manchester first it's not up for debate as we know if it was football he'd be literally the number one in my opinion because of the amount of games and the amount of years he's been in and then regardless then you add in the trophies as well just to triple down what he is but uh, it's weird like it's funny you watch the list every year and yeah you're like we all know he's not there and not one of them is afraid to mention him you <laughs> yeah, know and, yeah yeah uh, it's funny, like, but uh, I had a look at it earlier on because I was trying to find out tables and results and fixtures and stuff, and of course it pops up. Was so he in the original it. one? Like, there no, would have been a list. No. He wasn't in the original no. one either. So did that kind of happen yeah. while that... Oh, okay, right. Yeah, so. when, when, when the accusations first came out, it was done. He yeah. was gone, never mentioned. And that's why I found it funny the first year because it's like, 
it's very obvious in I'm going to have to ring in one of these ring in shows <laughs> on talk sport or something like that stored it up yeah, yeah. Um, okay so let's have a look at them then so Tony Adams Neil your thoughts on Tony Adams um, old school proper hard man alcoholic centre back proper drinking go out Saturday night have 15 points go out and you know, assault someone on a Sunday morning uh, in the Arsenal box with his arm in the air looking for the foul in the offside. Um, kind of iconic, I think, Tony Adams when growing up. I used to think he was, in particular, I think he had a lovely kind of a swan song when Wenger came in and it just kind of finished his career real well. Remember the time he went forward and someone chipped it into him and he buried a goal in the last few games when they won the league. So, yeah, proper, proper centre-half. Okay. I don't know if he's one of me three, but he's proper centre. So out. if you had to pick, Dave, between Tony Adams and Saul Campbell, who would you put in? Uh, oh, end of story, Tony Adams. Really? Yeah, Tony Adams, yeah. Okay. Right, fair enough. I, I liked Saul Campbell. I thought he was a good player. For <laughs> I'm saying I don't like him. Uh, Stephen gave him real, but I judged him ever since after that. <laughs> funny, funny enough I don't see a Tony Adams um, card on FIFA you know the Legends card but there's yeah, a Saul Campbell one there's there there's a Saul Campbell one there okay yeah. Michael Carrick uh, won plenty of trophies uh, was a really a really good years. really <laughs> really good player um, but the point he was uh, I, like Michael Carrick was a, is, is an underrated player he's one of those players where you're sitting in that position and you cover a lot of ground you block off a lot of spaces and I thought he was a, a, an excellent player uh, for for Manchester United. So I, I wouldn't... I think he got better as he got older, to tell you the truth. Um, we'll rule him out then because he's, he's for Manchester United. Okay. Yeah. Peter Cech. No, no, no. Peter Cech, I should say, Neil. So we've got Peter Cech. Is he the only goalkeeper there? He is. He's the only goalie there. You can't compare him. already in. Is he the only goalkeeper? Yeah, I don't see another keeper yeah. in there. Yeah. So are they saying that Petr Cech is the second best goalkeeper ever to play in the Premiership? Let's talk about that. Um, he was a big money signing. He was a Mourinho signing, wasn't he? Like he was big. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and then yeah. they brought in Courtois, and then he they lent him away to Atletico, and then he came back and kind of took over the crown. But for the guts of Chelsea's pomp, where they were absolutely bang on under Mourinho, Petr Cech was a huge, huge player for them. I think, you know, I, I would have put him in the world-class bracket insofar as there wasn't, even though the price tag would suggest it. But, like, he was up there. Like, he was up there with Buffon, you know, at the time. He was really, really good. Won the Premier Leagues, Champions Leagues, yeah. Top, top player. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't that mad about him, to tell you the truth, especially when he got his little knock on the head and he cried for about 10 years about his sore <laughs> head. Um, okay, right. P- Petr Cech's in there. Uh, Andy Cole. Andy Cole, good striker, scored plenty of goals. Part of that York and Cole sort of combination. Funny how Cole got in and York didn't. Is one English? Oh yeah, right. So Cole's there, uh, but he has he, he did score plenty of goals for Newcastle and for Manchester United. So there's no doubt on that. Uh, it's about being a Premiership legend. So he 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 is a, a decent player. Ashley Cole. <sighs> Ashley Cole is in there because when it comes to left backs, there's just not a lot of them out there. And there you're is. looking at the best. Patrice Evra was years. a better left back than Ashley Cole. I never liked Ashley Cole. I never liked him. I, I always thought he was a little bit of. Oh, he's a bloody good player. Yeah, I didn't. I thought he was overhyped. I really did. I thought he was a decent player. But if you look at Andy Robertson now, I think Andy Robertson's a better player than Ashley Cole. 
but a good attacking fullback at the time for a Mourinho player, I think. Good player. Yeah. So okay. Freedom and he won forward. things. Yeah, he won, won things. So that's that's so that's there. So he won things. You know, yeah. and that's why he probably is not as good as Andy Robertson. He's not as good as the guys who do the sexy crosses and creates goals. But he was a bloody good defensive fullback. They, they, were, they weren't marauding fullbacks back then either. A special game that they banged the drum on. I'm talking about week in, week out. He's a bloody good uh, defensive fullback. Funny mm, enough, okay. my lasting memory of Ashley Cole will always be when he was leaning in in that picture over in Roma. And I, <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I don't know why it always sticks in my head as a funny thing. So. He's just there on the edge, no one around yeah. him. Uh, Not as defending, <laughs> just the fact that he was a loner when he went over to Roma. But anyway. Okay, so uh, I do remember Ashley Cole bombing on now a good bit. So he's yeah. probably the first to start bringing it in more. Well, do you know what? You'll swear he never went forward, but Dennis Irwin who is, is not on oh, this list either. Today, Roy, about oh, well, Irwin. listen, Dennis Irwin is a world-class player. End of story. I, I don't I'm, care I'm, what I'm anyone says. But the Irish Mafia are going nuts about Dennis Irwin, isn't it? Yeah, well, he's like a real... Oh, the, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's won everything. He's played right and left full. He could play the boat with ease. You know, free kicks, goal score. You know, I, I don't remember anyone tearing him apart. You know, I just, yeah, so there you anyhow, not English. And again, that's so, the point, there's not that many great left backs, and I think that's <laughs> yeah, why Ashley Cole gets in, yeah. Yeah, no, I listen, Ashley Cole, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm messing yeah. with Ashley Cole. I didn't really find, you know, I wasn't that mad about him. I always did think he was overhyped, because the, there was other players who were as good as him, um, or even better than him, but uh, they, the English used to hype up their players, and then they went yeah. on to World Cups and didn't do anything, so uh, that's fair enough. Jermaine Defoe, listen, top goal scorer, isn't he? Yeah, Hall of Fame for the women as well. <laughs> I wouldn't be putting Jermaine Defoe anywhere near this uh, Hall of Fame. I just it's a bit early, yeah, that. isn't it? That's the one that stands out for me a little bit. Yeah. That, like when you look at Alan Shearer, uh, Aguero, Wayne Rooney, Drogba, and then Jermaine Defoe. Come on, yeah. is there a point where you have to look at what you won and say, "Listen, you didn't win much, mate. You can't get into the Hall of Fame." I, I understand what you're saying, but sometimes I think I would that, agree. Yeah, Sorry, like, I Dave. agree with you. I 100% agree with you. But at the same time, there's times where it's like, is that why Peter checks there? Because I would be a bit like you. I think he's a good keeper, but is he a really good keeper? and Or is he just somebody who was a bit fortunate to be with an exceptional yeah, defence? An exceptional defence. But I've seven league trophies. Yeah, of course, that's why you win. But that guy who won nothing, I think, is a better keeper. But I'm yeah, not like Michael Carrick because I've got the medals. Look at me medals. I win, you know. It's like Carrick okay. in the midfield for United. Sure, I could have played in the midfield for United them years. <laughs> you okay, know, it's players around you. <laughs> okay, we go to the Ferdinand, uh, Les Ferdinand, uh, really, really top player. Uh, you would have liked him in your team because strong aerial ability. Surely not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, like some header of the ball. Yeah, like is it? There's nostalgia there. There's nostalgia there with him when the Premier League started, but surely he's not up there with the likes of Ian Wright for his goal scoring, Didier Drogba, Wayne Rooney, Shearer, Aguero. He 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 scored goals. He's as good as as who probably you know in in the game now. So yeah, yeah, like why isn't Peter Crouch there? You know, he he was uh, a level of striker. Like he's the the second tier. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. QPR so, or Les Ferdinand was with originally, wasn't it? QPR, and then he was a QPR. Spor, he was with yeah, Spurs, Newcastle. Newcastle, and then he eventually moved. I was in his big move then, and then he ended up at Newcastle then. And yeah, and there's no doubt he was consistent in the games that he played for yeah. them, and he was a handful, and uh, he caused real problems and scored good goals, and he was a very good player. There's no doubt about that. But we're talking, yeah. you know, Hall of Fame. So it's Hall of Fame, just nostalgia. That's yeah. kind of where we're going now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So, uh, Rio Ferdinand, I think it's safe to say Rio did a good job for Manchester United. He was a football and centre back and a very hard player to get by. And he was probably in the best team at that time with Nemanja Vidic, who yeah, was I a great partnership. partnership. To be honest. Yeah. You know, yeah. If I say yes to Rio, I have to say yes to Vidic because I think. You know, whatever about how good they were as individuals, putting together, and you got five, ten percent more. They they became and they were almost impenetrable at times. You know, a, a very fearsome partnership. So yeah, as much as I would have them in, or I, if as much as I would have one in, you have to kind of you can't have one without the other. I think. I think I'll I'll winning teams uh, at any stage of history always will have a centre back pair and that are formidable. Tony Adams, Saul Campbell, or Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidić. Oh, yeah. As partnerships go, yeah, I'd have obviously the United pair. But if you had Adams and John, John Terry and, and Carvalho. Well, yeah, Terry and Carvalho as well were awesome, you know. And like Terry's on the list as well. Would you put Terry ahead of Vidic? Terry would ahead put, of Ferdinand? Well, would you put Terry ahead of Carvalho? That's the thing. Because I thought Carvalho was a. a listen, match. John Terry is a really good player. Again, Carvalho had more yeah, to his game, no, I thought. Uh, for you, Roy, is he? Yeah, I see. I just think that there's an English bias there on every single player. So if you compared Ashley Cole to maybe it's longevity as well. Like Cavalier was there for four or five years. At least Terry's been there for that. Maybe that's where there's a bit. Of, I don't know. Maybe we can quickly Google. Is there a criteria that you have to be there for? Yeah, at least a certain period. Maybe like, but the fact that he's a lifer and the whole lot, like it is no surprise he's in the list. Let's be honest. Yeah. Well, Dennis Bergkamp. How many years did he play for Arsenal? Oh, I think he played a good few years. He came in. He came in early enough now. Um, no, what I mean in. is, like, when you're saying Terry was there, obviously, since a kid, and then he broke in yeah. and played his whole career, and Carvalho didn't, would Carvalho have played the same amount of seasons as Dennis Bergkamp? don't know. Maybe. That's why I'm asking. I don't know if there's yeah. a certain criteria, you know. Now, obviously, it's going to be biased towards English players, but uh, in the next few years' time, they'll be struggling to try and fit four or five English players into the 15 because it's been, it's such a, it's such a, yeah, it's all foreigner, now, but, well, know, if the foreigners stay in now before uh, that was bloody foreigners taking over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We go on to, uh, Robbie Fowler. Listen, Robbie Fowler was, yeah, class, unplayable at times, yeah. you know, for Liverpool and uh, the goals that he scored. So we go back to the thing. What did he win? That's yeah. where the, the, the debate comes in for yeah. your hall of fame, but there's no doubt that he is, for me, Robbie Fowler is a better player than what Rio Ferdinand is, which would net, or not Rio Les, and that would yeah. knock Les out of the way straight away, you know. So, yeah. uh, Robbie Fowler was just awesome. Yeah, every every game he was playing for Liverpool. Robbie Fowler better than Andy Cole because he's on the list. Because they, the two kind of had, they kind of had four or five explosive seasons where they were awesome, and then their careers got blighted with injuries. They got they kind of had similar careers where. Yeah. Three or four years, you, everyone and the mother would have took them. And then, unfortunately, the body took over, I think. With, but 
like those few years with Newcastle and then obviously the couple of years with, with United, he was fierce as much as some tried to slag him off. And then, of course, Fowler for four or five years was arguably one of the best finishers around and every professional would have said so. So, yeah, but they just petered away a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. This one really, uh, Jesus Christ. Gary Neville, <laughs> right? What? The, like Gary Neville's there. This is this is what bothers me again. Go back to uh, Ashley Cole and Gary Neville. And I know you, people probably say this is biased, but Dennis Irwin, they didn't have the consistency that Dennis Irwin had. And, and he can play right and left full. So... Mm. Oh, that's baffling. Anyhow, if yeah, you have he's to book, on Sky a lot and he's a celebrity and he's practically yeah, he's, that's you know, exactly he's in the it, media yeah, all yeah. the time. That's you know, it, you're so. practically looking at him every five minutes, yeah. Just to isolate him, Gary Neville, when Liverpool you've watched Liverpool an awful lot and you've watched Manchester United an awful lot at that yeah. period. Was Gary Neville a player that you went, Oh god, Gary's playing? <laughs> no, no, always like a celebration. Loved that game and yeah. would be awkward because this is bigger than almost winning the league for him. Almost, that's yeah. I know I don't mean. I know he would say opposite, but but you always knew he showed showed up. He was always going to be a thorn in your side, and I think it just proves that there is these club players or squad players who aren't the best, but because they the ultimate attitude, he's a hundred percent or every game. And as much as we love. Or Dennis Irwin, like there is a bit of a similarity in that he is a seven out of ten kind of guy, but has the ultimate attitude and the ultimate club man, so to speak. So would I rate him highly as a technical player? No, but you can't fault him for a bit like say maybe James McLean at Ireland. You know, you cannot deny the guy's commitment, but would you have silkier players ahead of him if we had them? Absolutely. Yeah, no, he's good he's a good player for Manchester United, absolutely no doubt. But we're talking here. This is this is big stuff. Hall of Fame. Yeah. What about okay. what about Gary? What about uh, Gary Kelly? Irish Gary Kelly. Yeah, fine player. Fine Life player. Old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sanya, Pablo Zabaleta. Years for yeah Zabaleta. I mean, ahead of Gary Neville. Alone. Steve Finnan. Steve Finnan. Yeah. yeah. So there's there's good players out there, but it, I think right. you're right. It's people who are in the English media who are stuck in their faces all and the then time. Then the medals help as well, you know. How many of those are on Sky Sports? You know, probably yeah. a lot of them. A lot of them there. Okay, Michael Owen. Listen, Michael Owen was brilliant as well in his patch. Again, yeah. when you look at Michael Owen, you look at Robbie Fowler. If I had to pick between two of the, uh, one of those to have them in their prime. I'd pick Robbie Fowler all day. Uh, yeah. Ahead of the Michael Owen to score that goal against Argentina, that was... Did you not see the celebration on the line? No? Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard no. one to call, but prime Robbie... Fowler, prime Owen Fowler was yeah. just... The goals he got out of nothing were incredible. Yeah, and, and you could create yeah create something out of nothing, yeah. but always there for tap-ins as well, like Owen was. I just thought he was a better... I thought yeah. he was unbelievable at that time, uh, Robbie Fowler. He yeah. couldn't miss, you know. He you was just the only knew player I've ever seen to pass a ball from the edge of the 18 air box into the net. It was the weirdest thing to watch yeah. him just find that angle and pass it in, yeah. Yeah, no, that's not putting Anton away from Michael Owen. I still think nope. he's a, an excellent player. I think player. Owen... If he had it kind of got into well into his twenties, kept that form, I don't think there'd be a debate about not debate, debate yeah, against I think so, yeah. But yeah. I, unfortunately, with 
I think he admits himself some fascinating interviews if anyone wants to find him. Like he said, like I was as good as anyone. I was the best in the world at 15, 16, 17, 18. And the way he was saying it, I actually believe him. And I actually went, yeah, probably right. But he said he was done by 21. Once that yeah. second injury or whatever he had. He, played, said, he played too much yeah. football at an early age. He, he was in yeah. a downward spiral from 21 and yeah. his career was over. And it's fascinating. So I think that's why, unfortunately for him, will always be the forgotten man. And that's just, that's just the, the nature of the beast. Okay, we talked about John Terry. Last one, Yaya Torre, Neil. Yeah, absolute different class. Well, he, to me, was the difference between City when they went from the kind of, you know, the higher-priced or overpriced type of player um, and then they even went to, like, Rubinho. They went to a few of these. But they, they, what made their evolution was a guy like company coming in and then Yaya Torre. I thought Yaya Torre for a couple of seasons in the Premier League was absolute different gravy and i can always remember putting them right in the middle of the heart of your team when you did the fancy football because you didn't have uh yaya torre and thierry Henry. you basically didn't win lampard as well but yaya torre could play anywhere he could play center back center mid he marauded forward he dragged them onto a title yeah he was absolute different class he would be the number one pick for me of all of them so far dave just don't forget his birthday cake <laughs> <laughs> yeah no he had a bit of everything like a real complete midfielder he could do the donkey work when he was bang up for it but he was also quite silky as a player he was a good cre- a creator and then obviously was great for picking up the goal so yeah in his pump like you'd be like yeah I, i'd love it like he's one of, the ultimate accolade yeah i'd love him in my team you know and he was one of them where yeah i'd take him any day of the week and i'd kick out whoever we had you know he was brilliant he had a bit of everything and i could easily see why uh, Neil would put him in 100%. Yeah, I big, t- big unit as well, right? Can you think of another guy of his size that had that skill and you know, ability to glide past players? But he was an engine in the midfield. I yeah. can't think of another guy of his size that could do that. Yeah, I, I, I think of him more so when he was getting closer to the end of Manchester City. I yeah, didn't like him as a player the then. He's kind of getting lazy and kind of strolling through games and stuff like that. That kind of bothered me. There's no, there's no doubt there was, there was a huge impact from him though at Manchester City, and he was someone that came up with goals time and time again. You know, so um, have players bettered them now? If if it was between someone like De Bruyne and Torre, or you know David Silva and Torre, mm. who would you put in there, Dave? Mm. Yeah, De Bruyne. In in terms of Manchester City midfielders, there's zero debate. Uh, he's the he's the ultimate top of the tree, and then you can fight it out between your Silvas and Torres and whoever else wants to get into the mix. But yeah, De Bruyne's out of this um, successful period for City. It's it's KDB all the way. Okay, De Bruyne has De Bruyne has the scoring power to keep up with Torre. Mm. You know what I mean? Because Torre yeah. got some great goals yeah. and solo goals, but De Bruyne has that scoring power. Yeah. Not just like David Silva, where he would cut you open. De Bruyne has the finishing capabilities as well, like Torre. Okay, pick three now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah Torre, it's got to be him. Um, I'm going with Robbie Fowler because you know it's Liverpool, and I am going with John Terry. Dave? I, when I went in to do a bit of a look around or whatever, I did it real quick and instinctive. I didn't, I looked at them all literally like one, two, three, four, and I said, right, bang, 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 with zero thought. And obviously, I had my defensive hat on. I, <laughs> I went three centre halves. So I went Adams, Ferdinand, and Terry without blinking. Um, straight away, I just thought, yeah, the whole kind of leaders from the back and putting their bodies on the line. And obviously, 
captain side of things i think that's why i jumped into it because the guys up top should they be beside the guys who are already in there i would say no that's why i didn't kind of instinctively warm to them you know what i mean i think it's more can these guys sit beside who's already in there i would say yeah and that's why i didn't go kind of look at the forward so much because you know i think they're just the, the, the second tier so should they be in there that's why i just instinctively went with the three lads Okay, I'll what, go what for. What do you think, right? Dennis Irwin and who? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, Gary <laughs> Neville and John Terry. They're in. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'd have to put Vidic in there. Anyhow, listen, uh, either or what you were I'd, saying. I'd, I'd swap. I could swap easily one of them for Vidic as well, without a doubt. Like you know. Yeah, well, I think they're such a good partnership. I throw the yeah. two of them in. Yeah. I, I even though my my little thing was what has anyone won and you know mm. I still think Robbie Fowler is for the goals he scored in the period that he was there was just yeah like you could you could argue like certain characters should get in as well because he did have a big impact in the early years of the yeah. Premier League and that yeah. quick hat trick against Arsenal like everyone remembers that yeah. his celebration of the touchline in front of Everton and he's a, he's a bit of a character you know it's like the Ballon d'Or isn't it another Michael Owen won that. Yeah, that's contest. true. That's true. Yeah. Popularity contest. That's it. Okay, we're going to leave it there because we're uh, running over time. Neil and Dave, thanks very much. Thanks very much for you for listening. Uh, if you want to throw it out there under the comments, let us know who you put in there. If there's someone missing out, let us know. Talk to you next week.